Howdy, y'all, and welcome to The Great State of Innovation, the podcast of Texas Innovators with me, your host, Cole Carpenter, and I will be joined by my co-host, Judge Gwynn, where we will cover innovation happening in the ninth largest economy in the world, the great state of Texas. Howdy, y'all. We're here today with another episode of The Great State of Innovation, the podcast of Texas Innovators with me, your host, Cole Carpenter. And as always, I'm joined with my co-host, Judge Gwynn. What is up, Judge? How are we doing today? What's going on? Doing great, Cole. I'm happy to be back with you um, on this beautiful day, just talking about some interesting innovations in Texas and some that we haven't really touched on a ton on our site, Cole. Uh Came, you know, last week we were, you know, talking about topics for the podcast, and Cole was like esports, and he is very passionate into esports, and he's very knowledgeable, as all of our audience knows about everything that Cole does. He's very knowledgeable, um, so we're excited to talk about it. Cole got us a great guest for today's pod, and uh, I'm excited to see what we get out of it, man. Uh, do you have any, you know, kind of preliminary expectations uh, for what we want to educate our audience on in this episode? Well, I mean, yeah, first and foremost, yeah, I'm excited to be talking about this and. Oh, don't don't sell yourself short now, Judge. You're you're t- tuned into esports and gaming as well, which we you know we've had a couple conversations on that. So, oh no, I'm excited to uh, kind of dive into it. And today we're going to be uh, you know, having on one of my good buddies, one of the first people I met at TCU. So uh, his name is Colin McCann, and he um, you know he loves esports so much so that he uh, went to SMU's esports management certificate program, and he graduated with that. I think. No, earlier this year. So he's uh, deep into that and passionate about the space. So I'm excited to have uh, Colin on and to kind of you know dive into this emerging market and this kind of untapped or little known type thing, a, a little known kind of market as far as, you know, not many people I feel like are talking about esports outside of the esports community. So I, I think what kind of the main focus of, of it is, is, you know, comparing or starting with, you know, talking about traditional sports and how esports are kind of merging and taking on, you know, traditional sports as far as viewership and things like that. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just excited to you know, sit down with Colin and have a conversation with him about his take, his experience at with that certificate program and what he sees in, in the market. And he sees how Texas is kind of tapping into this, this new market and the things that have been established in Texas that are you know, very exciting. So, I guess to start, we uh, like a lot of people are probably wondering, like, what even are esports? And you know, it really comes down to uh, video games and gaming. You know, everyone, I mean, everyone knows what video games are and what the whole idea behind them. What I like and what I'm excited about with this uh, conversation is to kind of show another side that many people probably outside of the space don't really know of or realize. And I think. As far as it, you know, why it's innovative in Texas is I think that a lot of things are being established. A lot of things are in motion that are going to propel Texas to be a leader in esports. And uh, there's just been so much growth in the space. And I think that all in all, it's an exciting time. So what esports really are is they're video games, right? But there's this kind of whole professional side to gaming where people can actually make legitimate money and either by creating a team or by joining these tournaments. And yeah, man, I, I'm just excited to talk about this in the sense of those who are not in gaming. This will, I think this episode will provide some insight into the community building aspects and, you know, see that it's not just, you know, some lonely figure in a dark room behind a screen playing a game. It's, uh, you know, expanding out into the world. So I want to get your take on, you know, esports and, and gaming yeah man i'm like you cole uh grew up with video games i mean i'm in my my mid-20s so um i mean my first console was a nintendo 64 so uh you know not right at the the, the beginning of them with the sega genesis and everything like that but definitely ps1 ps2 ps3 now onto the the playstation 5 and the xbox series x so you know video games they like you say cole they always have this stigma that you know you're lazy or you know you you don't have a job and you just sit at home playing video games all day but for now, these kids are sitting at home playing on video games all day, but it is their job. And they're, like Cole mentioned, they're not just making money, but they're getting rich. Uh, and and not 
that's not to say that that's every kid you get into esports and everything. There's definitely those that grind to get to the top level that have been doing it for a long time, but the avenue is there and the market is there and the interest is there. And so, I mean, video games have always just been to me a de-stressor uh, from life. You know, you get into a good game, like I'm, I'm playing Call of Duty a lot right now, and it's just really nice, especially with the global pandemic, to be able to do something with your friends that's fun and challenging and interactive because uh, those things you know they didn't exist 30 years ago so it's just really a unique experience to be able to sit at your desk no matter where you're at and play with another kid potentially in another country you know another state anything like that and you can play it at the same time uh, collaboratively it's just with esports uh, it's kind of brought that uh, it's kind of brought that community that's been fostered over the past 15 years with video games uh, to the forefront and to a platform where they can make money off of it. Um, it's just, it's really cool to see this nowadays. I'm kind of glad, Cole, that <laughs> esports wasn't this big about 10 years ago when we were, uh, you know, you know, teenagers and everything, because I would have definitely wanted to be a professional gamer and I do not have the skills for it. Uh, I mean, no matter how good you may think you be, these kids, not just kids, like there's adults for sure, but these people, they put in hours upon hours and they've been doing it for years. And at some point it's just natural skill as well. So uh, I just want to shine a light on that because it's not like they're just playing video games. It's not something that everyone can just pick up and be good at. You know, they similar to uh, being great at a sport or your craft, you have to put in hours of work and it's tiresome. And even playing video games can drain you all day. So it's just, it's very interesting and, and, Paul was bringing up, uh, you know, the innovations part, and especially here in Texas, as a consumer of Texas innovators, you know that everything that's new and innovative is happening here in Texas. Most of it, it's getting its start here in Texas, and esports is no stranger to that as well. I didn't know about this before doing some of our research, but Cole was telling me a lot about the esports stadium in Arlington. It's a 100,000 square foot uh, facility and it's the largest dedicated esports facility in North America. Um, and so I, Cole, I know you've been able to experience the esports stadium in Ar Arlington. You never got to go to an event, but I know you've, you know, you, you've seen it in person. So maybe just talk a little bit about what that's like and what does that kind of mean for the future of this industry, esports in Texas? Yeah. So I mean, as we know, things are, are always bigger in Texas. And I mean, esports is no exception in the sense that, you know, this esports stadium in Arlington is it just goes to show, you know, how esports are starting to rub shoulders with traditional sports. The uh, the stadium is located in Arlington, right in the same complex that AT&T Stadium, uh, the old Texas Rangers uh, Stadium, which is now named Choctaw Stadium. And then the new it's right next to the new Texas rangers ballpark the uh, globe life field so um yeah i was just over in that area one day and i've been living in fort worth when i was at tcu in the time uh and just stumbled upon it and i was like wait there's an esports stadium <laughs> and i i was just kind of <laughs> taken aback because that that was i guess for me that was the moment where i realized wow this is a legitimate thing um and i mean you know in texas sports are a big thing right you know Dallas Cowboys, the Mavericks, and um, especially well in DFW. But uh, I think it's just just so cool that as we see, you know, we're entering this kind of new digital world where we're talking about the metaverse and everything entering into these virtual worlds. We're having, you know, video games kind of be a foundational point to that or being a big part of that kind of whole transition, you know, that we're seeing this whole kind of movement, which is very interesting and exciting. And I know not many people are probably like even tuned into the developments in Texas specifically, um, like so much so that you have these traditional owners of, of sports teams, like you know, Jerry Jones, Mark Cuban, and even the MLB Rangers co-owner, Neil Liebman, uh, or Neil Leibman. I'm not, part of me, I just butchered that, but yeah, they're all, you know, invested in esports because i see they see this as you know having huge market potential and they see it that um, as something that's within their wheelhouse so yeah i know i think what we uh, kind of talk about and we'll touch on a lot in, the, in this interview with colin is that it it's not just yeah just people playing video games that it's like this whole community and that it's the a huge kind of you know and growing market it's grown year over year at an exponential rate that's kind of like mind-boggling we'll get into some of those stats in this interview with Colin and like our conversation and I, I think I think you all are gonna be 
quite surprised about, about like kind of the amount of momentum that esports have. And also there are just so many different aspects to it. For me, you know, I was watching um, DRL, Drone Racing League, and they have, you know, drones that they fly in real life, but then they also have a sim aspect, which is they're flying drones within a video game. And it's just very, very interesting to see kind of this overlap. And like esports, there's not just like one type of game that's played. Um, The games can be ranged from, you know, single player first person shooters or FPSs to uh, survival battle royales. So that kind of the big names in in that space are are, are big games are Fortnite, Apex Legends and Call of Duty Warzone. And then you also have the virtual reconstruction of physical sports like NBA 2K, FIFA and Madden, which, you know, like in college, we everyone was, you know, at the end of the day or in their dorm rooms, people were having like FIFA tournaments or Madden tournaments or uh, 2K tournaments. So kind of just seeing how, you know, this kind of grassroots mobilization and, and growth of the sport, you know, kind of like mind boggling to me, you know, being a gamer for, for quite a while. And you know, I think can't even remember. Well, my first th- my first uh, kind of introduction to gaming was uh, a GameCube playing, you know, Mario Kart and uh, Super Smash Bros. Like, I think those were kind of integral parts. I mean, even before that, you know, had a uh, Game Boy Color and <laughs> loved that Game Boy. I just thought they were so cool as far as like the technology and the whole kind of like culture aspect to them. Like, I think another big thing is like how ingrained video games are into pop culture and, um, I mean, I think the youth can really tap into that, but I think those those of us who are older, or you know, like our parents or things like that, you know, don't really have the insight into what esports really entails and like the value that can be created from you know, playing video games. That's something we'll dive into in this conversation. I'm looking forward to talking with Colin. Um, is about just the community aspect, and especially in a time like COVID, being able to connect with people and your and hang out with your friends while doing something fun in that time of lockdown or kind of having to isolate or isolate ourselves in a way, but really what that avenue that video games provide and like esports was a way for, for us all to connect digitally while you know, doing something that we enjoy. So yeah, I think it, this conversation will provide more insight into the lives of gamers and the values are of, of the gaming community. And I think we'll, and Colin will touch on this and talk about, you know, the authenticity of the esports market and, and gamers and people outside the space don't really have insight to. So all in all, yeah, I think it's an exciting time and I think it's exciting that we get to have this opportunity to talk about this and we'll talk about a lot of things you know, related to the developments in Texas and how Texas is taking a big stake in the esports market and we'll also talk about kind of how things, you know, other markets overlap and um within the digital space. So I think it's just just an exciting conversation. I think now is the time to be talking about it too because it's still kind of low key in the sense of not everybody knows what's up in esports. So exactly man. I, I love that you dropped the Game Boy Color right there, Cole. That that really brought me back. I remember playing Pokemon on my Game Boy Color and you had to have the light attachment, right? To play it at night. Um Man, it's just, and another thing we'll talk about a little with Colin, um, and I want to expand on it too much, but it's just the evolution in technology, man. Like the Game Boy Color probably came out in the early to mid 90s, if I, if I had to take a stab at it. But think about that from then to now. Like we, the graphics on, you know, for PCs, uh, which have kind of been that way for almost a decade now, but the graphics that the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X are able to, um, the graphics that they have is are just insane. Like they're lifelike. If you look at, we, we talked about NBA 2K. If you look at the graphics side by side between their, the renderings they have of current NBA players with pictures of them actually playing the game, it's mind boggling. There, there are times where you can confuse the two and you don't know which is real, and which is reality. It's just the advancements over the past 30 ish, 20 years or so, whatever you want to say, They've been massive, and that has also played a large, large part in the rise of esports because the quality is there. I mean, why would you not want to play? You know, I can't go dunk a basketball, uh, but why would I not want to go play as Steph Curry and hit 23s, you know, in a game? Why, you know, why not? So they just provide such an invaluable opportunity to experience something new. And I think just the technology component and how much they have progressed uh, in our lifetime, Cole, is probably on par with just about 
any, you know, entertainment technological, uh, you know, piece of equipment or anything that you want to, you want to call it. But uh, it's just, I, I love that aspect of it. And it's just so cool to grow with it and uh, just to see what these companies churn out, because some of these companies that produce games on a consistent level, they don't always improve the game. Uh, Madden is one of those ones that's received a lot of scrutiny over the past few years because they haven't consistently updated their game engine or anything. They just kind of do the newest jerseys, the newest rosters, and that's it. And you pay 70 bucks each year for it. So it's also important with these sports is that it puts pressure on these companies to continue to up their game and, and make better games because, you know, video games are not cheap. Uh, so I feel like it's important that we keep that pressure on companies to keep producing their best work just as we are in our position. So that's a, that's another aspect that I'm really excited to highlight with Colin because he's very into the PC side of it. <clears throat> and Cole and I are a little more on the console side. So that's another clash. If you're not a gamer, you you may not understand that as, as readily, but uh, there definitely is a clash between console and, and PC players, you know, for pride or for whatever you want to call it, but esports and the accessibility of video games with cross network and cross platform play has really brought everyone together uh, in a time where we potentially needed it most. Yeah. And what I think another cool aspect to it is like the driving innovation as far as like tech technology and like, like what you were just talking about was like graphics and things like that, you know, as we evolve in, in our digital spaces and as computers get better and screens and, you know, 4k, 6k, these things are all overlap when you see in movies, like with CGI and things like that, they all go hand in hand. So no advancements in those technologies, either if they're happening in video games can transfer over to film and TV or, or, or vice versa. So yeah, I think there's just a lot of overlap with esports and this whole new kind of digital age and digital innovation and advancements in technology and, and in processing power and you know, just some of these worlds that are developed are just so immersive. And I, I think it's just all in all like a true innovation and, uh, you know, a breeding ground for, for that innovation. And I think uh, what we hope to provide and the value we hope to create with this episode and this conversation with Colin is just innovation is happening every day and esports and video games and just technological advancements are all all a big part of that and um i think they're just all so integral and a part of you know, what the future may hold so getting insight into pop culture and to what the youth are up to these days and uh why you know your your son or daughter are playing video games i think it, it may provide some insight and maybe also give you a way to kind of not necessarily um, maybe empathize but understand your kids a little better or understand know people you know who are gaming like what what they're experiencing and why why they enjoy it so much so that's just what's exciting about about this conversation and we really hope y'all uh take away a lot of things from it and i think uh, we'll build off of this introductory conversation and kind of dive into it more because esports aren't going away and i think that you know as more money is put into the space um i think that's just going to become it's something that you can't deny or say that isn't real or isn't having a real market impact because uh there's big money being put into it you know we'll see we'll talk about some of the investments that and the acquisitions and things like that that are being made in texas and um yeah i just think north texas and just texas in general is going to be a hot spot for gaming and throughout the world and uh kind of further establish texas as a leader in innovation in that front so yeah, we're, we're really excited to sit down with Colin and just have a conversation. Now that you've heard some insight from Judge and I, we will turn to our conversation with Colin. Howdy, y'all. We're here today with another episode of The Great State of Innovation. And we're joined today by a, a special guest, one of my good friends, Colin McCann. Howdy, y'all. How are we doing today? Hey, what's up, Cole? Thanks for having me. For sure, man. Of course. Um, so today we're going to talk about esports and gaming and kind of just get into this emerging market and you know, see what, you know, Texas has been up to in the space and, and talk about your experience, Colin, like what you've seen. And I know uh, you recently finished a, you know, a cool, neat little program uh, over at SMU. So, yeah, let's just start off by you know, introducing yourself, Colin, say what's up and uh, talk a little bit about your experience uh, with the SMU's eSports Business Management Certificate Program. Absolutely. And as, Cole, as you know, I am a TCU grad. So, Horn frog till I die, but um, yeah, went over to uh, to SMU. I actually now live pretty close, like right across the street from the campus. But 
Um, I took their online course, um, the Esports Business Management Certificate Program. Uh, it's led by a lot of industry leaders in the space, um, from people such as board members of FaZe Clan, uh, founders of new up-and-coming esports um, companies in the DFW area, like Danny Martin. I know you've, uh, I think, written an article about Danny, actually. Um, he's doing some really cool things down at Esposure. He just opened his new facility in Duncanville uh, just a couple of weeks ago. So yeah, a lot of really awesome people to learn from um, was an incredible experience. It was about a six month program. Um, learned everything from basically just the basics at the beginning, uh, how are teams in the industry, um, you know, earning revenue? What are they doing? Where does that come from? Is it mostly merchandise? Is it advertising? Uh, is it winnings, tournament winnings, things like that? And then we even learned how to organize our own tournament, how to uh, put that on and kind of all the things that come with that. Uh, there's a lot more pitfalls than you you really realize at first. Um, so yeah, influencer marketing, it was kind of the whole, the whole deal. It was, it was really interesting. Um, like I said, it was a better part of a year. Or so uh, we learned a lot in that time. It was an, an amazing experience. That's, that's awesome. Thank you for, for that insight, man. Um, yeah. So to put this into context for everybody listening, um, Here's some stats stats for you. Uh, esports has more viewers in the U.S. than every other professional sports league except for the NFL. Uh, furthermore, 50% of adults under age 30 play or watch online video games. And the worldwide esports annual revenues are totaling $1 billion in, in 2019. Yeah, and even since then, it's, it's, it's shot up, especially in the last year and a half, right? Right. Yeah, I saw somewhere that... I think it was the esports observer that 10.2 billion dollars have been invested in esports as of november this just in this year alone so yeah <laughs> it's absurd <laughs> yeah man so on all for everyone listening just what we really wanted to achieve and like by talking about this and you know, talking about esports and having this conversation with judge and colin and i was really to show that this is a legitimate market people are making real money and you know it is a, a a market mover in the sense like you know people are investing really real big sums of money and you know see a future of this as we transition and become more encompassed in this digital age so yeah i think it's just all in all an interesting interesting topic yeah so i know there have been a, quite a few developments as far as like esports in texas i think the most foundational thing or something that not many people know about i mean i didn't even know about it until i stumbled upon it uh, was the esports stadium in Arlington? Um, and Akon, I, I think you you mentioned that you've been there and seen seen some events there. I know I stumbled upon it when I was over uh, in near AT and T Field and yeah. Old Rangers Stadium, and I was like, "Wait, there's an esports stadium." Akon, <laughs> so, like I, I know you've been there. You saw, I think you went to uh, two events there, if I'm not mistaken. Like what 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 is the esports stadium and what's the vibe there? Like what's going on over there? Yeah, it's awesome. Um, I think it used to be just like a convention center for maybe Arlington or DFW um, in general. And then back in maybe 2017, 18, I'm not sure, uh, it was bought and became ESA or Esports Stadium at Arlington. Um, and in that time, they've held a bunch of events there. I think they have um, events almost every day that... People can join like uh, like local tournaments and things like that, playing for money. Um, but I went there twice for the Collegiate Rocket League Grand Finals. Um, so basically the national finals for Collegiate Rocket League. Um, saw University of Arizona compete against, I think it was Akron, University of Akron uh, in the finals the first year. And then University of North Texas, UNT and Denton. Um, against, I think it was Arizona or Akron again, the second year. Really cool space, um, a really large space too. Uh, they have a really cool state-of-the-art stage set up with um, screens and basically everything that you could want as an observer. Um, and outside in the lobby, they have a whole area where there's a whole ton of computers, maybe 30 or so. So people were going in and watching the matches inside. And then if you want to take a break, you could go grab food, grab a drink, play some games um, in the lobby. So uh, my friend and I, when we went the first year, we brought our controllers and we played Rocket League against each other in between matches just to 
kind of mess around and you know when you go watch people that are insanely good at the game you want to play yourself and then you <laughs> you're never as good as them but uh it's a really cool spot um the dallas fuel i think have played some games there which is envy's uh envy's overwatch league team i know they've held the esports awards there i think is maybe it wasn't the esports awards um last year during covid because it was a little bit smaller i think they might have held it in arlington but yeah they do really awesome work in that space and um, we actually had the global uh i think the head of global partnerships from esa on uh in our class to guest speak one day and that was really cool to hear from him and kind of hear some behind the scenes stuff so yeah it's a really cool spot and i highly recommend everyone gets over there and goes to an event there um it's really fun yeah that it sounds like quite the space and for those of you listening who have no idea what Colin was just talking about, <laughs> you know, as as like Overwatch or this and that, like, well, first of all, Overwatch is a game, and there's going to be a lot of <laughs> that like um, may not be too in tune to at the beginning, but I think you know you'll quickly pick them up. Um, but the reason I had you know Colin had you talk about kind of ESA and, and what it's like and why it's there, the experience there is because like it's really a, such a legitimate thing, especially in Texas, like that there's a building, a stadium dedicated to esports and, and to this uh, market sector. So yeah, that's just kind of what I wanted to emphasize. And thank you for that insight again. Like, uh, I mean, for those who have not gone, maybe I've just piqued their interest, go check it out. But so I kind of want to take it back and kind of focus on you, man. And like, just ask you, like, what were your early influences for gaming? Like, what kind of got you into gaming? What set that foundation for you to want to eventually make the investment of taking an esports management program? Definitely. I think what first got me into gaming as a kid was having a brother who was significantly older than me. I think there's like eight and a half years between me and my brother. So, you know, he was he was a gamer and I was just like the little brother that, you know, just loved everything that he was doing. So I'd always watch him play. And then when I was old enough, I started playing and we would play, you know, old PlayStation one games like Crash Bandicoot, like Mario Kart, um, which is kind of what also started getting me into the, like the competitive side of gaming. So uh, that's probably where it all started. And then since then, you know, I never really fell fell away from that. I always loved gaming um, in my free time and what really got me into esports itself was back in 2018. I flew to Las Vegas to go to the Rocket League uh, World's uh, Rocket League Championship Series Grand Finals. Again, Rocket League is another another competitive esport, very similar to basically soccer or hockey with flying cars. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, it sounds crazy when you say it out loud, but when you watch it, it just clicks. Um, so went with some of my friends, uh, some of our friends from, uh, you know, real life and some of our friends that I met on the Internet playing that game. We flew to Las Vegas and and watched the pros compete for hundreds of thousands of dollars and seeing an event like that in real life. It's like everything just changes when you see it in person. Like I, I remember the first day we walked into the stadium and it was at um, the Orleans Arena in Las Vegas. I think they have a lot of uh, collegiate basketball games there. Um, I stepped out and just took in the whole stage setup before the event started. There was music playing, there's a stage set up and there's like, there's lights and there's fog and it's just, it was amazing. I, the, the instant I saw that, I was like, I want to do this professionally, uh, n- not as a player. Cause IFC don't have the skill, but I knew that that's something that, um, I could get out of bed in the morning and say, this is something that I love to do. And that's something that I'm actively working towards, uh, getting a job in the space. And I knew when I saw the ad for the SMU Esports uh, uh, Business Management Certificate, I knew that would help me get closer to my goal. So that's kind of been my history with gaming in a very, very short (laughs) synopsis. But yeah, that's awesome. And I want to establish that both Judge and I are also, you know, gamers. We enjoy gaming. We enjoy hopping on the sticks and, um, you know, (laughs) entering these online worlds it's i i I think something about it just you know that community and like for me i'm a first person shooter kind of guy but um i know judge and i we both and i both you and i have talked about this before like the games that that we both play and there's a lot of overlap i feel like you know there are games for people who are gamers that kind of you know are like milestones or like oh i remember when that game came out like for me that was like modern warfare modern warfare 2 
like that was that was quite quite the event as far as you know gaming and whatnot but um yeah man uh gosh such good times like i don't know i don't for those of you who aren't you know active gamers and whatnot i think uh you know you may be skeptical about it and whatnot but i think it it's just an interesting way to kind of enter a new world and whatnot but uh judge like do you are you playing any video games right now like what, what have you been playing recently judge yeah i was uh i, I actually want to start this off call and i want to preface i heard you say you're a big horned frog i don't know if cole told you but i am a big aggie um so he did he did tell me i think we're cool uh tcu a and i don't i have no beef with y'all so y'all beat ut you do me favors every year. So um, I just want to get that out of the way. But yeah, man, uh, currently, Cole, I'm I'm playing the new Call of Duty Vanguard. I was uh, lucky enough to get one of those PS5s towards the beginning of the year. Um, nice. And I, I, it was kind of a, my PS4 kind of died on me. And it was one of those things where I was like, well, if I get it, uh, then I'll have a console. If I don't, then I guess I'm going to be able to that one to like get lucky enough. So uh, yeah, man, just playing Call of Duty right now. And I actually had a question for you, Colin. I, you know, heard you say, you know, when you went to Vegas for the the Rocket League finals, you know, you flew some of your friends out that you knew, some of your friends that you played with for years that you probably got the chance to meet in person for the first time. As Cole mentioned, we all kind of grew up, you know, around video games. I still have two friends that I play PlayStation with that I've never met in person, but I've been playing with them since PS3. So how do you think the esports community is able to, you know, foster some of those relationships and kind of uh like think about i guess phase clan in a sense you know like right on you know halo you know halo 3 back on xbox 360 or call of duty Modern warfare 2 you know they had big clans and you play with all your friends and so it's just now it's they're profitable they're kind of monetized with phase clan and uh, some of those other big ones so rambling on a little bit but uh, you know kind of talk about how is esports helping foster those relationships and ultimately kind of bring that community and gaming that has already been there uh to the you know the front stage yeah it's a great question i think you know gaming's always been a lot of a lot of people outside the space will think it's a very secluded or uh a very lonely activity but i think a lot of people in the a lot of gamers don't see it that way obviously some people you know may prefer playing games alone but i think it's a very um community oriented activity like every single time i'm on i'll always hop in on discord and and chat with my friends while i'm playing um, if nobody's on, then I I barely ever play. Like I'll be like, eh, I don't really want to play without my friends. I think a lot of people don't really realize how how much uh, how big of an aspect that is in it. And um, yeah, it's a really good point you made about about Phase Clan. It basically just started as a group of guys who were really good at Call of Duty, and then they said, Hey, what if we could somehow monetize this? I mean, I, I don't think that that wasn't even their first idea. They just said, Hey, let's put some videos on YouTube. Um, and then they said, Hey, people like watching this stuff. How can we make this, you know, the bigger thing It's very grassroots oriented. And I think that's, that's, you'll see that in probably all over esports, at least for now, um, because it's still in its infancy, even though it's been around for, I think originally like the eighties. Um, but it's been, yeah, a lot of people don't know how long it's been around. That was like one of the first things we talked about in our course is it started around the eighties or nineties. Um, but just now the last year or two or three we've been seeing it really explode it's very grassroots oriented and you see just people that do it out of pure passion um i think a lot of gamers don't really like to see and this is again i'm kind of rambling but uh gamers don't really like to see the uh you know people that aren't genuine um and basically if you come from a place that isn't I love gaming or I love this, like everything about this, they'll see right through it. Like any corporations that say, oh, we're just going to get into esports for money. Like, I don't know. You don't really see a whole lot of them. I mean, you might, you might start to see them now that companies are seeing all the money that's um, being fed to esports. But I don't think they'll do as well as the ones that really come from a place of passion. Um, And yeah, I think that really just has to do with the, the grassroots mentality and uh, community oriented or the, com- the community that comes with gaming uh, at the heart of it. Um, and then that kind of grows into esports, right? Cause people love sports. They love to support their teams or basketball, football, whatever it is. But for gamers, it's, I want to support, you know, maybe I support the, the, the Mavericks, but I also support the Dallas fuel. And it's, it's just like watching your, your favorite basketball team, football team. It's just in a different medium. Hopefully that answered your question. It was very long winded, but I think, uh, yeah, the grassroots community oriented nature of it is kind of what helped it grow into what it is today. 
No, that was a fantastic answer, man. And intru- I, the, the part about it starting in the 80s really was intriguing. If you know, what was the first competitive esport game? Oh, we definitely learned this. And I don't know off the top of my head, but I think it was some sort of like side scroller fighting game. Um, I think the first big tournament that kind of started like kicked things off, I think it was called Evo. Um, this is a before my time, but um, it's like attributed to be like the first thing that kind of kicked off what we know as competitive esports today. Um, I'll uh, I'll look it up and get back to you, but I'm pretty sure it's called Evo. No, all good, man. Yeah, that's impressive. I was gonna say that's so interesting and really like uh, I like to say that we kind of grew up with video games, but I can remember people. I remember my neighbor. I think gave me my first Nintendo 64. So obviously there was a generation kind of before us that evolved, you know, from Sega Genesis to Nintendo to the PS1. And so it's just really interesting that you highlighted that that it really has. It's a 40 year now, you know, industry almost, and really I you know last five years the decade or so has just been huge for the esports and you know monetizing it and everything with you know twitch streaming and uh, you know just creating mediums uh you know as you were saying for people to consume uh some of their favorite pastimes but in a different way i i love 2k as well so you bringing up you know the dallas mavericks the dallas fuel i know the nba 2k league is massive and people i mean if you're uh you know a top level player with a you know you have a great team you know you can really uh, maximize your brand and uh, make some real money doing yeah. it. So, uh, and I really like the point you made about the authenticity, uh, you know, of companies trying to invest in esports, but the ones that really, you know, don't have the passion behind it, that are just kind of trying to get in for the money. I think that's very interesting because Cole, uh, when we were doing our research, he he showed me that Robert Kraft, you know, the Patriots owner, he's investing in, you know, esports teams. There's obviously more, I think you mentioned Mark Cuban, Cole is, is investing as well. So, uh, what do you think it means for the sport that those type of entrepreneurs, those innovators are seeing the value and sinking their teeth in? Because I feel like if I got an investment from Mark Cuban, I would that would kind of validate my team and my, you know, my brand. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I don't know if that was directed to me or to Cole, but I think, um, you know, I think for them, it's a little bit easier um, to transition. Like Jerry Jones, he owns uh, Complexity here in in Frisco as well. So I, I think it's a little bit easier of a transition because they come from sports still. So you can kind of see that that's kind of an easier transition. Obviously Mark Cuban owns the Mavs. Um, but I think for, if there's just somebody that's like a corporate shark, you know, like if you saw Kevin O'Leary, he was like, I'm going to go own an esports team. It's like, dude, you're just here because you want to make a bunch of money and make a deal off, off some team owner with royalties like you do on Shark Tank. Uh, but I don't know. That's just my personal preference or personal thoughts on it. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think, I think it's a little easier for those guys to make that transition and have it still seem like it's authentic. And I think the way that we saw the rebrand with complexity, um, a couple of years ago, uh, when they did get bought by Jerry Jones, it's kind of all Cowboys esque, uh, merch and their jerseys have stars on them. They look like basically like Cowboys jerseys. It's really interesting. And they have a, uh, their headquarters up in the star where the Cowboys have their practice facility. So it's really awesome to see that kind of uh, investment into esports. Oh, I was just going to say that. Yeah, that's really cool. I actually did not know that. I, I mean, I've been to the star for, for various things and that, that's awesome. That, yeah, that's you're providing insight that I wouldn't even think of, but uh, you, you go ahead, judge. Oh no, you're all good, man. And uh, talking a lot about, People investing in it, obviously, we touched on some big innovators, some big Texas innovators. In your opinion, Colin, when did you start to, or when do you think the industry started to kind of shift towards placing a value or placing an emphasis on monetizing uh, professional gaming? Um, Like I said, I mean, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I know that's a a pretty broad question, but uh, just, you know, from some trends, anything you might learn from your program. Um, let's see. I, okay. So I looked up the thing about, about Evo, uh, first of all, so it says it was street fighter two and mortal Kombat. Um, they kind of did, uh, just a fighting, fighting game tournament called evolution championship series. And that was 1996. That was sort of the beginning of direct competition. Um, obviously before that we had, you know, like arcades, high scores, things like that to get us started. But I think we really started to see a shift in the mid 2010s. Um, maybe that's just because that's when I started to to gain interest in it. But, um, I feel like since then it's just exploded. I think the first, first 
Rocket League tournament I watched was probably in 2016. The game came out in 2015. Then the season one tournament was, I think, 2016. And I think since then, it's just blown up in like an insane amount. Um, I think another one of those crazy stats that came from uh, Business Insider and Deloitte, they did a study. And in 2017, let me pull the numbers up. Um, 2017, the investments in esports was 490 million. Obviously, not a small, a small figure. But in 2018, it was 4.5 billion dollars, which is a year-over-year growth of 840 um, percent. And like Cole said, now it's 10.2 billion as of this last this last November. So um, I think since 2015 and on, it's just seen exponential growth, and I don't think it's going to stop anytime soon. No, it doesn't feel like it. I mean, every everything is geared towards it now. And obviously, PC players, for the most part, had a leg up. And until really, uh, I think Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2019 was the first mainstream game that allowed cross-platform play uh, between Xbox, PlayStation, and PC players. So I think now with the PS5 and then the Xbox Series X, sort of, they're they're not quite there yet uh, on the level of the PCs, but they're, they're inching it, right? They're getting close. And so... Right. I mean, now you have the, those kind of graphics and that kind of uh, system that is commercially available for the most part. Um, Cole mentioned that you like to build PCs. Uh, I see you got a nice setup there. So if I wanted to build a PC for myself today, Colin, how would I go about purchasing or building my computer? Yeah, I think the best place to start and where I, I have a lot of people that ask me similar questions and kind of like the go-to guy um, is a website called PC Part Picker. Um, it's an awesome website that basically gives you a list of everything you need to build your first PC. Um, it'll say, all right, you need your graphics card, click on that. And then it'll show you basically all your options, You choose one that you like, and then it'll show you everywhere you can buy it to. And then at the end, you just have them all, you have all your pieces laid out on basically a spreadsheet on their website, and then you can just buy them all one by one. Uh, this is how I built my first computer back in 2016. I just bought them all. They kind of came from some came from Amazon, some came from another uh, another uh, retailer in Canada, and then you know after I waited what felt like ages, I put it all together. Um, I think now is kind of a hard time to build a PC. A lot of people are going the buy route instead of building just because of the semiconductor shortage and the graphic card, and obviously the graphics card shortage. Um, has been hitting us for a couple of years now. Um, so a lot of people are going that route, but if you were to want to build your own, I would say watch a lot of YouTube videos, Linus Tech Tips, um, what's his name? Steve at uh, Nexus, I think it's Nexus. I can't remember the name right now, but basically when I built my first one, I watched endless YouTube videos and just read articles until I figured out how to do it. <laughs> Nobody taught me. I just pulled up a YouTube video and figured it out. And ever since then, it's kind of just been off past experience. Yeah. And that's really like such a, the thing I've always been envious of PC players is, is the custom, like the customization of it. You get to really, like you're saying, you get to build every single step of it. Right. And obviously there's a, a bit of a cost with it, right? You, you got to pay to get the you know higher quality products, but it pays off and you, know, you yeah. can visibly see it pay off. So uh, I've always just been envious of that aspect, the custom ability. And Talk a little bit about the prices. As you said, you know, it's there's some shortages with the graphics cars and the semiconductors. How do you think, you know, what would your average PC build cost you right now? You know, just for, uh, let's say, like your median solid uh, streaming experience. You know, it's tough to say because there's such a variance in, in prices or different parts. Um, I think you could probably get one if assuming that everything was in stock and and not <laughs> way marked up. You could probably get a good mid-range PC for between like seven and nine hundred dollars. Um, they can range to thousands of dollars. You could get them cheaper if you wanted to, also. Um, but I think kind of like what you were saying about uh, consoles is the s- steps that they have made in consoles in the last you know since the PS4 and Xbox One came out is incredible. Um, like to get. The performance that we see out of the Xbox Series X and the PS5 for $400 is astounding. Obviously, um, PCs you can get, you know, varying levels of, of performance out of and you pay for it. Um, and obviously with the, with the PC, you can do more than just play play games. You can, you know, do your work on it. You can like <laughs> you can present to your boss on your computer. Uh, there's more options. But I think for 
for the the cost to performance uh, ratio on a console these days in 2021 is amazing and i'm excited to see where it goes from here yeah for sure and um go ahead cool no, i was just gonna say i'm i'm glad that y'all that we're talking about this because you know first and foremost i guess for those who are listening and don't get the whole gist of what we're talking about there and in gaming, there's this divide between console players and PC players, right? And so, like with your when you're playing on a console, you're you're using your controller, whether that's a PlayStation, Xbox. Um, but then when you're on PC, you can also use a controller, right? But a lot of people use keyboard and mouse, and so that adds like a different dynamic to the game. But uh, I think I love what Colin mentioned it was like with PCs, though you can use it for purposes outside of just gaming. So you know, like if you go to our uh, to TXInnovators.com, actually we wrote an article about. Um, you know, eSposure actually partnering with Salad, which is a crypto mining kind of uh, deal where you can leverage your PC hardware to mine cryptocurrency when you're not gaming. So, I mean, when it comes down to, you know, console versus PC debate, there are a lot of benefits and pros and cons and whatnot. But that's that's why we're talking about PCs and consoles and whatnot. But uh, back to you, Judge. Uh, yeah, it was just more about that, the divide and. I think they're we're kind of slowly coming together. You know, we're playing Call of Duty together, we're playing various other games together, and it's the community slowly coming together, especially with the help of esports. So, um, and touching back on that statement, Arlington, I've never been fortunate enough to see it, but Cole is telling about it. Obviously, looked it up online. You know, that's Texas. If you build a stadium in Texas, that means it's a tradition almost, right? Like high school football is king in Texas. You see stadiums that rival college stadiums. You know, obviously, college football is huge here. Sports in general. So now we have an esports stadium. You know, in your opinion, Colin, what do you see that stadium and that investment? Does that signify anything for the future of esports, specifically in Texas? Oh, absolutely. I think beyond that, not just the stadium, but having envy and complexity here, along with the uh, the Dallas Mavericks NBA 2K team, like we're seeing big names get into esports. Mark Cuban, Jerry Jones, as we said before. Obviously, that's that's. Um, <laughs> those people know how to be successful and they know where the money is. And I think um, just having those kind of names backing esports here in Dallas and not, not even uh, Texas, but just Dallas alone, I think is amazing to see. And it, it really um, bodes well for, for esports here. And while you're, uh, you know, we're talking about envy right now. So Colin, I know. So what do you think about this optic merger with, you know, envy and optic merging to create optic Texas? I think, uh, me, like I've always, when it comes to gaming, you know, for me, it was always phase and optic. Like, right. Those were always like the big players in my mind. Like when I started out gaming, so like, wh- what's your take on that merger? And like, what, have you heard anything on the streets about, you know, this new optic team and, <laughs> and things like that? And to put it in there, you know, Post Malone is a part owner y'all. So if you, if you're into Post Malone's music, you should. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it's amazing. Um, I think. It's it's a huge uh, landmark deal in esports. I think uh, Hex, uh, the, one of the founders of Optic, and Hastro, uh, the leader of Envy. I think seeing the two of them come together uh, like this is is really really big for the the, the industry. Um, obviously, Dallas uh, or the Envy and their Dallas Empire team now. Well, I think it's Optic Texas, right? Uh, their the Call of Duty team there. Yep. They are the reigning world champions in Call of Duty, so obviously a huge, huge move for for Optic. And uh, I think Optic was gone for a few years, but they made a comeback last year, I believe, twenty twenty. And now they're merging with Envy, so taking huge steps forward. And um, it's exciting to see them back in it. Uh, when I first started, kind of getting into esports, like you said, it was it was Optic and and Phase back in Call of Duty, and then. Uh, I, I was never too close to, to Call of Duty, so I, I, I didn't know a whole lot about Optic until I started following Hex because he, he's a big player in NRG as well, which is one of my favorite organizations. So seeing them do that is is uh, pretty awesome, and I'm a fan of Envy and Dallas Esports in general. So hopefully they uh, win another world title. Yeah, yeah that's, that's awesome. And just so y'all know, actually, um, one of the co-owners, the co-owner of the MLB Rangers is, is an owner. He acquired actually Optic back in the day. I think that was in, well, actually, I don't know when he did it, but Optic was established in 2006. So they go way back, but yeah, all in all, like them coming to Texas just goes to show, you know, Texas is gearing up to be, you know, they're already leaders in 
a plethora of things, but Texas is positioning itself to be a, a leader in, in esports and gaming. I think it's just exciting times. And I think that's, I mean, that's the main reason why we're talking about it here today, having sitting down, having this conversation, because, you know, it's just the beginning, really. I mean, in the, in the grand scheme of things, you know, esports are you know, just gaining a foothold in, in major sports markets and, and whatnot. But Colin, just let me, let me ask you this, just kind of on the topic of sports and, you know, traditional sports, football and whatnot. Do you do you ever see a point where esports will overtake traditional sports? Like there will be more people diving into esports than you know, NFL, NBA, professional, anything really? Um, you know, I think so. I think it's it's more accessible than than traditional sports. Um, you know, maybe for for people that can't, uh, they don't have an easy time playing basketball or baseball. Uh, esports and gaming is a lot easier to jump into. Um, you can do it from the comfort of your own home. Um, we have a lot of uh, really companies that are doing really awesome things in the accessibility space. Like we see with Microsoft, I think they have um, a special adaptive controller for people that you know, have a hard time playing with a, a regular Xbox controller. Um, so I think because it's so accessible, we're, we are going to see that uh, as time goes on. I mean, like you said at the beginning, we already have more viewers than than every sport uh, professional sports league except for the NFL. Um, and that's just the US. Like if you look at places like Korea, China, it's crazy over there. Um, I think uh, in Korea they people like parents will start their kids competitive gaming at a young age just because that's like a societal norm over there. And we we're seeing stadiums get filled to watch uh, Dota and League of Legends finals in Korea. It's it's crazy. I think we'll eventually get there in the U.S. Maybe not, you know, super soon, but I think uh, I think eventually we will. Good outlooks for the long term, for sure. And I like while we're just, I mean, in general, like esports and just gaming has become such a thing to the point where like YouTube has their own gaming section, Facebook has their own gaming section, and then and then to talk about even like Twitch, the how powerful, like how much of a big player Twitch is, you know, so much this, so much so that you know Amazon acquired them and. Now I think they're what they have a fifteen billion dollar valuation and twenty seven million daily visitors uh, and six million creators on Twitch. I, I think that's just so, I mean, mind boggling. Like that these platforms have so 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 much kind of sway as far as um, you know, in the digital markets and whatnot. But so like Colin, from, from your from your perspective, do you would you say you have a preference as far as like those platforms, or do you like kind of go switch between the three of them, like YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch? I know Twitch has kind of been the go to for a while yeah for for live content i think twitch is is my go-to um and i think most people that are watching a lot of live gaming content would say the same it's kind of from the beginning been the place to go to for live streamed content obviously youtube and facebook are trying to take a piece of that market share um, but twitch <laughs> they still have their hold on it uh but youtube is coming for them fast uh they're signing a lot of their big creators um tim the Tapman, ludwig was a huge one and he was just a week or two ago um valkyrie courage a lot of big creators are getting poached by youtube um and they're they're making a lot of plays to try to surpass twitch but i think um a lot of those big creators are still seeing numbers drop when they move to youtube um which they kind of expect right because twitch is it's the hub it's the it's the main spot um, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, do they really care if they're getting a huge salary from YouTube? Um, uh, maybe not. Uh, but you know, I think, I think YouTube eventually will surpass Twitch just because I think Twitch has a, his, a history of not making great decisions and history of making decisions that the creators don't necessarily like we've seen for a couple of years now and i think youtube is aware of that and they're trying to uh, take advantage of that so youtube i think they sent out some information or an email to their creators a few weeks ago about these changes that are trying they're trying to implement and how they're trying to basically every day um, introduce new features that rival twitch and i think eventually we'll see youtube overtake twitch um but maybe not again maybe not soon but i think I think they will eventually because not only do they have live streaming, but you know, on Twitch, if you go on Twitch and you go search up your favorite streamer and they're not live, and you, what do you do? You you leave Twitch or you go watch someone else. 
on YouTube, you go look up your favorite creator. They're not live. What do you do? You watch one of their YouTube videos. You watch one of their YouTube shorts. Um, you know, you can still consume their content, but they're not live. Twitch, you don't really have that. Um, along with that, Twitch doesn't really have any discoverability. Um, it's really, really hard to grow on Twitch if you're not already in the top 0.5% of, of streamers because those are the ones people see on a day-to-day basis. They see them on the front page on YouTube. Um, you know, YouTube's second largest search engine behind Google. I put out one video, could get picked up by the, the algorithm. I don't need to be live. It could be while I'm sleeping. It could be somebody watching across the world. They can find my content. They can subscribe. They can tune into my next stream. I think I think that is going to be the main reason that YouTube overtakes Twitch in a few years. Wow, that that is some great insight, y'all. Y'all, y'all heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. And I, I think I, what I want to talk about now is just kind of like the overlap of so many other markets that are you know coming in, like the synchronicity between other markets and gaming. Like something that comes to my mind is like music and gaming so like when i think about that i think about like fortnite i know this is a touchy topic with travis scott but his whole deal on uh on fortnite not not too informed what other artists you know kind of did shows within fortnite but you know these artists are hosting concerts within these games and just like kind of how um powerful and how much market sway these games have so and then also to that point is like and i don't know if y'all talked about this in your esports management class or certificate program but i kind of seeing you know i'm really deep in blockchain and you know whether in cryptocurrencies and things like that but we're seeing a lot a lot of the synchronicity between gaming and nfts and like blockchain integration so like when i think of that i you know i was watching the drone racing league drl and they have sim and regular drone racing like irl which means in real life but um you know i saw ads for algorand which is you know a blockchain and like, did y'all talk about any of that in your class? Like, you know, blockchain and integration of other like digital assets within an integration within the sports community. Like, do you have anything? To- we we didn't really talk about that a whole lot, honestly. But it is really interesting um, to see. I think just in the last week or two, Ubisoft started implementing uh, NFTs into some of their games. I don't know a whole lot about it. Uh, I'm not. I don't really know a whole lot about NFTs, so I'm not gonna pretend that I do. Um, but I, I know that it's been kind of divisive in the community. Um, like I said before about how, you know, people kind of wanted to stay genuine thing that isn't all about, you know, making money or, um, you know, they're kind of set, gamers are kind of set in their ways. So seeing, seeing that new, new age stuff like NFTs on their games, so I go, what's going on here? I don't know about this. So I just, I know that it's, it's been a little bit divisive in the community. Yeah. And on that Ubisoft point, yeah, I've been you know keeping up with that because I'm very interested and intrigued by the Tezos blockchain, which is the blockchain in which Ubisoft is um, releasing their NFTs. And I'll stop right there and just talk about what NFTs are. They're non-fungible tokens. They're digital assets that are hosted on a blockchain. And that blockchain, you can verify your ownership. And no one else can claim that because it's all on this public ledger that is a blockchain. Um, but if you want, want to understand more, there's a lot of articles that we have on our website, you know, talking about blockchain and things like that. Um, if you, I think there's some, you know, some other eyes written about, but there's some, a lot of stuff under my profile. If you, um, search my name and or blockchain or anything, but yeah, I just think, you know, these kind of integrations are very, you know, forward thinking. And I think such an innovative space, such as esports and gaming, you know, tapping into that is, you know, tapping into other innovations, you know, expands its reach and, um, I think it's very, very, very interesting, especially for me being someone who's been heavily involved in the space. Yeah, like esports, y'all, it's the future. And as we head into this digital world, and we're talking about the, if we we're talking about the metaverse, and you know what that future kind of looks like, I think it all in all is just very, very interesting. So, but Colin, man, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on. I don't know if, you, if there's anything else y'all want to talk about. Um, Judge, you have any other questions, my dude? Just again, thanks for coming on, man. And uh, looking forward to seeing how esports, I mean, even as we head into 2022, a year from now, who knows where the industry will be at, where uh, it'll be at in Texas specifically. Um, so it's just massive, massive uh, promise for the future, man. And uh, I'm excited that we're kind of young and get to experience it all and actually understand and have a vested interest in it. So again, thanks for coming on, my man. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having me. 
Uh, I appreciate the time. And uh, yeah, it's been a really fun conversation. Uh, like you said, just love to talk about video games and it's something I'm very passionate about. So sharing this with people that, that care about it is always fun. Um, if anybody wants to follow me, I'm on Twitter at CMACTTV, Twitch at CMAC, uh, basically everywhere you can find me, TikTok, Instagram. Um, so yeah, thank you guys for, for indulging me and hearing me uh, uh, just talk about something that I love. Yeah, for sure, man. And uh, if you all want to hear that that post or you want to read Cole's post about the East Poster partnering with Salad, go ahead and head over to TXinnovators.com. You can type in Cole Carpenter in that search bar and it'll be right under his profile. He's got a lot of good stuff, a couple esports articles, a lot of NFT, a lot of blockchain. So if you're interested in any of that, head on over to TXinnovators.com. We'll also go ahead and link those in the bio as well as Colin's handles. Um, but yeah. Now's the time to consume innovations in Texas and why not do it with something that is interesting like video games. No doubt right there. Thank you all for listening. We greatly appreciate y'all taking the time to dive in and tune into this conversation about esports. And uh, yeah, that was, that was a good time. Y'all appreciate you. In this episode, we dove into esports and gaming, highlighting some of the innovations happening in our conversation with Colin McCann. Be sure to like and follow Texas Innovators on Facebook, download the Texas Innovators app on the App Store or Google Play, and as always, thank you for listening. And remember, innovation never sleeps. Never sleeps.